6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Want to switch gears this afternoon? Were you watching 60 Minutes on Sunday night? Well, if you were, you saw the work of a University of Alberta department receiving some international attention. And if you didn't see it, you missed a, a very, very powerful segment focusing on Canada's residential schools and the uncovering of unmarked grave sites. More than 150,000 children were sent to residential schools, which Canada's first prime minister supported to, in his words, sever children from the tribe and civilize them. My name was number 65 for all those years. Just a number? Just a number, yeah. 65, pick that up, stupid, or 65, why'd you do that, idiot? It was hosted by Anderson Cooper and told through the eyes of survivors, including former Grand Chief of the Confederacy of Treaty 6 First Nations, Chief Willie Littlechild, who you just heard both voices there, as well as our next guest, who has been front and center in helping communities find grave sites. Dr. Keisha Supernant is a Métis archaeologist and the director of the Institute of Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology at the University of Alberta. Dr. Supernant, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, let's uh, take me back in time when you found out that 60 Minutes was interested in doing a piece on uh, on your work and about um, the, the horrendous legacy of residential schools in this, in this country. What went through your mind? Well, I'm not sure anything ever prepares you for being contacted by 60 Minutes to be involved in a segment with Anderson Cooper. This really came through our work with the Muskaugan First Nation mm-hmm. and Saskatchewan, and I think I really appreciated that 60 Minutes went through the community first to see if they were interested and then coordinated with us who are researchers and who are people who've worked for the community to come in and, and be part of that process. Um, but it was also really sort of humbled and honoured to be able to be a part of telling such an important story and bringing it to such a large audience. Now, the um, the, the the segment itself incredibly powerful and mm-hmm. um, and difficult to listen to, um, and you know, told uh, through the, the eyes, the stories, the lived experience of survivors like Chief uh, Little Child, like Leona mm-hmm. Wolf, Ed Bitternose. Why was that so important to have those voices tell the story? I think putting survivors front and centre is really important because it helps to kind of humanise and bring this really into the the lived experience of living people, right? There's been a tendency to think, oh, this is what happened in the past, but having survivors telling their stories of when they were small children not that long ago and Mm -hmm. how they were treated is really important to continue to remind non-Indigenous Canadians and people around the world that this is not something that's only in the past. This is very much alive in the present and their lived experience. Dr. Supernant, where where do things stand? I mean, we we saw the work that uh, you were involved with at uh, the Muskaugan School, that's at Lestock, Saskatchewan, in that piece. We know that there have been suspected um, uh, remains found there as well. It seems like this has fallen out of the news cycle, right? I mean, and unfortunately that happens, but we know that more and more discoveries are being made. Where's your work at on this front? 
Yeah, so since the Kamloops-Schwetmak had released their findings, there was definitely a rush of attention on a number of projects, with, with many of which have been ongoing for many years. I think what we're seeing now is a, a number of Indigenous communities really beginning a process. Uh, in some cases, there's already been preliminary results, not Two weeks ago, uh, the Williams Lake First Nation released their findings around the St. Joseph's Mission. And I know there are other nations certainly in the process of either doing that preliminary kind of phase one work, um, trying to build uh, a project plan to be able to, to do this. Uh, after that rush of attention, now comes the work of actually going out and doing the, those surveys and trying to find those locations. And, and so you do the surveys and you find the locations. And we, we talked about this a bit the last time, I think, that uh, you, you joined me on, on the show. You do the surveys, but it, it obviously doesn't end there. That, that really is almost the, the, the start of it, isn't it? Because from there, the communities then need to decide on what to do next and how it's going to be done. And that is, is very sensitive, very important, and I'm sure is going to, um, you know, take, uh, you know, some, some deep, long conversations and planning on, on how exactly that's going to look. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really important point is that the next steps we I get asked about that often mm -hmm. when I'm uh, giving these interviews and other things and I think that's a question that communities will have to answer they need to be resourced in order to do that but it's not something that is an easy decision and it's very complex these places are varied across the country and there's you know more than a hundred uh, residential school sites all of which are likely to have graves what is actually done with those locations is something that has to you know be driven by survivors and elders mm. um, respect ceremony and protocol yeah. but also be given a framework that if communities wish to pursue a more criminal investigation that they're given the tools to do so uh, and i suspect we will see that happening in some communities how important do you think um, that, that it was that this story was told on a, on a North American scale, that it was, it was shown in Canada and the U.S.? I mean, because here's the fact. This is not just a Canadian issue. This didn't just happen here. It happened in the United States as well. Um, the United States had many of these so-called schools and, with the aim uh, to do the same thing as what, what happened here in, in Canada. We know that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of Indigenous children in, in, in the United States that haven't been found. Investigations are underway there as well. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it shining a spotlight on the issue in the United States as well? I really hope so. I think one outcome of the attention that this story has garnered around the world has been to push the conversation in the United States forward. There are many, uh, many of these quote-unquote schools mm -hmm. in the United States as well, but they didn't have a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Mm -hmm. They haven't invested in listening to survivors and to actually building an understanding of these places. So Canada, we are in a better position to be addressed the specific location of graves and in the U.S. there needs to be a reckoning and I hope this level of attention will start well we'll continue to support what has already kind of begun in the United States to pay attention to this really really important issue. Keisha in that um, 60 minutes piece you spoke passionately about the work that you were doing in the in the importance of it I have to I have to think that you carry the weight of discovery but also um an honor to be involved with the process of maybe finally bringing these children home. 
Yes, it, it is exactly that combination. It's a combination of the emotional weight and the toll that that takes, but also a deep sense that this is the most meaningful work that I could be doing right now, you know, and, and with the skill set that I happen to have, mm. being an Indigenous person whose life has been impacted by similar sorts of systems of dispossession, you know, my father being raised in foster care, you know, it's very much a part of my own family's story. And in some places, these are my relatives. Mm. So. I could not be doing something more meaningful. It doesn't mean it's easy. It is extremely hard and it is extremely devastating, but it must be done. And I am honoured and humbled to even be a small part in helping to find these locations and bring these children home. You're writing a a chapter in in your family's own story, aren't you? We are, and trying to build a brighter future for my daughter and for the generations to come. I always appreciate our conversations. Thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon to join me. Thank you for having me. Take care. Dr. Keisha Supernet uh, joining me this afternoon. And again, if you didn't uh, see that uh, that uh, documentary or that um, segment on 60 Minutes on, on Sunday, I urge you to go watch it. Very, very powerful. Incredibly powerful.